This is Mr. Christopher with the Funkatopia Radio Show, and I have the honor of having the one, the only, Kelly Finnegan from the Monophonics on the line right now with me, and uh, it is a pleasure to have you on board, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'll give you a little bit of uh, history. I was like way off on the bandwagon for monophonics until um, I, I think I, I had heard uh, a, a, heard a couple of albums um, that in 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 passing, and every single time I heard them, it always came across on like the radio Spotify that I had on. Oh, and, cool! And I was always working, and I was thinking to myself. What is this band every single time and I would have to go back and I eventually started putting the pieces together and uh, Came across came across you guys and I was just I, I, I literally could not believe The sound that it was just this really distinct it was back in like uh, into the infrasounds CD cool, and it was back in a time where I just I I was like how how are you replicating? How is this band replicating this really deep '70s funk soul sound and doing it so? Um, it, it just it just seemed like it was just coming naturally. Like there wasn't a lot of bands have to kind of go through a lot of you know a lot of processes and they try really hard. But there's certain bands that it, it just really comes as second nature. Like bands like yourself and Orgone and bands like that. Tell me a little bit about your sound as Monophonics and and how you kind of hone in on that deep '70s funk sound. Or is it truly something that comes naturally? Is there something special that you guys do during recording? recording and, and any of that time. I mean it's you know in the beginning stages um, I, I honestly can't say because I wasn't in the band but what I would imagine if, if we talk to the guys who were I mean, Ryan's right here next to me he's an original member but I'm sure they would say that they were merely going off what was inspiring them at that time and what they were listening to so I mean Obviously, they're listening to you know all the all the standard kind of um, soul and funk artists when you're in college. You know, you're 18, 19, 20 years old. And you're starting to really discover things past just past like James Brown and the Meters and all the natural stuff that everybody kind of finds at first when you when you when you get hooked on this music. You know, when you get hooked on this music, most people don't like it's a lot easier to go deep now because of youtube and stuff like that but if you wanted to find some deep deep funk you'd have to go you know get in the basement and do some serious record digging right. but i think these guys were just you know one they all grew up in families that listened to r&b and soul music and funk music and rock and roll and and they were all lucky to be around parents who were either you know semi you know professional musicians or just big music fans and record you know people who wanted to go out and buy records and go to concerts so i mean like i said i can't speak from the first two records but i would imagine that it's just from um you know diving into their influences and then really you know early on because i've heard them talk about it but you know they really just rehearsed a lot you know a couple times a week just shedding together for hours and hours and just trying to get tight as a band so and get good on your instrument and really find your find your style and find your sound yeah so i just... so i mean I, that's what i would say early on um like i said i wasn't in the band yet but that's kind of where i've you know where i would guess it, it comes from 
Now, and, and so when you talk about, for instance, like the first time I saw you, you guys live, you were our, you were on board. What, yeah. What what year did you come on board? 2010. 2010. I had seen yeah. the first time I saw you guys was actually at Bear Creek in uh, Florida. Oh yeah. And so that it, was like 2013 or 14, yeah, right? Yeah, and it was it was on yeah. a side stage, and it yeah. was the most I, the energy that you have as a yeah. performer. It's just it's like this electricity that is just it's not well, only. That's... It's not Go only ahead. just, it's, it's infectious, and it's just the, it, it's like you have a very, very difficult time containing this monster within. I do, I do. I mean, music, that's what music does to me. It makes me move, and it makes me want to get involved, and, and, and especially when I'm, I mean, when I'm performing and singing, it makes me want to, like, really connect with people and, and give up, give as much energy as I can so people feel comfortable giving their energy. You know, there's a lot of people that come to shows, and it, and it feels easy to kind of contain yourself and just enjoy the show. But we want everybody to feel very free about just kind of being themselves and having a good time and not worrying about, you know, being too cool or, or feeling like, you know, letting yourself go is is a bad thing. So, yeah, man, I just I just got to let it fly, you know, and, and, if, and if people pick up on that and it energizes them, then, then I love that. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I guess you guys started to get a lot of traction because I was also, there was one day or one night I was sitting, I guess it was America's Got Talent, and I was watching television. I think that was the show. And, yeah. And, and all of a sudden yeah, the song I, came on, and I was like, wait a minute, I know that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the girl, that dancer, she used Bang Bang on, on America's Got Talent. That was very cool. Yeah, so did you, got, did you know that was coming, or were you blindsided? Yeah, by we or? were alerted that someone that uh, you know because you have to get a license in order to use that and i think it was on tv for a good minute or two so yeah you have to pay a little bit of, of a fee and, and and kind of contact the label and the artists and yeah, did you get an did you get an opportunity to see it before it aired no we didn't well we watched it when it aired and it was very cool i mean it's always exciting to hear your music uh you know on tv or in movies or the radio or anything like that it's always very exciting yeah did you guys get any traction from that i was always curious whenever you know bands. Uh, yeah i mean we've done a few things where we've had um music used in television and film and and it always brings new fans it always brings attention to the band um you know from people who had no clue so that's that's what it's all about is spreading the gospel spreading the word of the music and and the band to as many people as possible and those kind of opportunities certainly help yeah i think you know there was a very very you know again going back to your sound the monophonics have a very distinct sound and yeah and that started when i joined the band because the first two records don't have a distinct sound, in my opinion. <laughs> well, they sound very much like a college band, and that's just me being real. And those guys, like those guys, they're not stoked on those first two records. They, it's kind of like watching your first movie or you're listening to yourself on an answering machine. It's like, it uh, obviously those are great records, but they're also, like I said, they're 18, 19, 21, 22 years old. They're still finding their way. So when we actually went and did in your brain, my basement. That's when the real birth of monophonics kind of, you know, that's when we started getting all these opportunities of television and touring and, and you know, playing in multiple continents, different countries, and, and really making a living off music. 
Uh, you gotta love that. That's always the goal, for sure. That's the dream, baby. That's the dream. So, so tell me about how you would define your sound now. And we're gonna talk about the new album in a second, but I mean, let's let's focus on, you know, well, obviously you brought up In Your Brain, and yeah, of course yeah. in The Sound of Sinning after that, and you've had, you know, some singles and stuff, but. Yeah, so I would say, you know, when we looked around at the playing field of what was going on in those genres, whether it be instrumental soul or instrumental funk or a soul group, obviously, um, like the late great Sharon Jones um, with the Dab Kings or anything like that, we looked around and said, well, there's not, there's a lot of bands that talk about early funkadelic and when i say early funkadelic people automatically want to think p-funk we're not talking p-funk we're no. thinking we're talking maggot brain yep. you know we're talking early like psychedelic funkadelic um i want to know not, like to not the mothership you know it's not there yet we're not yeah. there yet this i want to know if it's good to you. right <laughs> exactly the early shit yeah. so it's like we looked at that and we looked at like early sly stone records and we looked at um, the Temptations records by Norman Whitfield and Isaac Hayes records and, and, and Curtis Mayfield. And we just said, you know, there's a lot, there's a lack of psychedelic because obviously white music started finding like certain aspects of white music, which obviously I'm just saying it's white music, but rock and roll, which is obviously is black music, but you know what I mean? Right. Heavy guitars. It's just like, if people know the history of the blues, it's like at some point chess had muddy waters and howlin wolf make these electric records right. and that's kind of what was hot you know what i mean it was like electric guitar the stones and all these bands and led zeppelin so with that black labels and black artists started incorporating more production values that you would find on a Jimi hendrix record or a vanilla fudge record right and, and we're big fans of those those soul records that incorporate the 60s culture, the psychedelic kind of love-free vibe that, that black artists started putting into their sound. And we kind of just said, we love the sound of these records. We love these artists. And everybody's kind of doing more of a true soul funk thing. We're like, we want to take on, we want to be the, the kind of the weirdos of the group. of the You know what I mean? The freaks of the soul crew. And, and really incorporate psychedelic rock and psychedelic music into that funk and soul sound so that was like the main goal going into in your brain was to to really make a record that didn't sound like a sharon jones record or a charles bradley record or a soul live record or a galactic record or we could go on and on with all these different bands and i think we achieved it because when you look at 2012 and you look at what came out that year in soul and funk there's nothing that sounds like in your brain but there's a whole lot of want to be Sharon Jones. There's a whole lot of Galactics. There's a whole lot of that stuff. And it's like that. That's what I'm so proud of is like when you look at that, the year that record came out, it's, it's really, um, it's really unique among its contemporaries during that time to so much that I will say, and I'll say this and I've said this to people and they kind of laugh because we're not as big as those, but it's like, you sure started hearing a lot more psychedelic influence in soul and funk music that following year. Charles Bradley started putting more echo on his vocals. Tommy Brennick, who produced him, started adding more fuzz to his sound. And it's like, as much as people want to be like, yeah, okay, well, that guy could have just listened to George Clinton too. And it's just like, 
yeah, but I'm well aware that those guys heard that record and that, like, In Your Brain made a statement in the funk and soul scene in 2012. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think we're all proud knowing that, like, we... Like I said, there was a lot of people doing a lot of things, but nobody was doing psychedelic soul in 2012 when we put that record out. Yeah, I, I w- and let's let's talk about the other the recording processes. That are. are you guys like focusing on analog studios when you're doing recording? Yeah, or? so we did that in my basement, and we recorded it to an eight track quarter inch tape machine uh, that Tascam makes. And for the most part, the the record is analog. You know, it's recorded analog. And then it's transferred digitally and mixed. Okay. So the music starts off all on tape, and it all starts off analog. And we use very um, simple and older techniques to record. You know, we don't put, like, 14 microphones on a drum kit. We put, like, one or two or three. You know, and it's just, like, same thing. It's, like, we're very simple. Like, we'll use one mic to record a horn section or two mics to record a string quartet. You know, we don't... We're, we just like the simple approach um, with recording. So it's all very much in the spirit of analog recording. Not doing a lot of takes, not doing a lot of editing, not doing a lot of post, you know, fixing or, or editing, anything like that. It's all very true to um, what we capture in the room. Yeah, I think that obviously probably helps you a lot with the you know during the mastering process and also replicating the sound live. So that's the big yeah, yeah, and obviously it helps. You know, we're all big into vintage instruments, and you know, it doesn't matter like what I tell people who ask about how the, the records sound. It's like one thing you have to remember is like we're all starting with good sounding instruments. I'm not having to record a crappy drum kit and make it sound cool. You know what I mean? I'm recording a good sounding instrument, and that your source of what you're recording always helps. You know, it doesn't matter if I stick a, a million dollar microphone on a bad singer. It ain't going to, it's only going to make her sound worse. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's a thing nowadays where people think more expensive is better. And you know, this is the way to go. And it's just like, what I tell everybody is like, do what, do what feeds your soul, do what feeds your, process do what's best for you don't don't worry about what this band does or what these guys do or what we do if you want to go our route and do what we do that's cool it might be good for you but you know it's it's all it's 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 all a creative self-expression so there is no right or wrong way to record or make a record if it sounds good it sounds good you know what i mean right so that that kind of brings us to the brand new EP that has come out, uh, Mirrors. Yeah, Mirrors, yep. Yeah, and uh, which, you know, as I said, <laughs> Steely Dan called Six Songs. Hey, it's, it's it is an album. I mean, it's an album. You can go out and buy it. It's was, true, was, I'll uh, take it. Asia, I mean, Asia was what, six, seven songs? <laughs> it's true, I think you're right. Asia was seven songs. Asia obviously being the title track and kind of being a long song. Well, right. Yeah, uh, so was but yeah, point. no. I mean, come on. Asia's like that's a pinnacle in in, <laughs> in so many uh, for so many reasons as a record. That's a. That's right. I, I mean, I'll never forget the first time I heard that record in high school. It blew me away. Oh yeah, gosh, this is just such it's such an amazing piece of work, and yeah, it really is. So, and but you know, to speak of which, you know, as far as things that we've heard, uh, the few songs on this album <coughs> are covers. And w- what was the what was the the. Uh, what was the thought process there? Do you just kind of feel like, you know, what made you? Because you're such 
great writers and great artists. Uh, did you? Why did you feel such a compelled to put so many covers on this? Well, EP? like we we one, you know, we don't. We never try and sit back and take credit for things about like people are like, whoa, like I said, like you can listen to monophonic sound, but as I mentioned earlier, it's like there's so many influences on who we are as a band and what we are. So, you know, sometimes we'll we'll learn a cover to do live and it really just feels good live and it transfers over and the crowd loves it. And then we'll kind of just be in the studio and go, hey, let's cut this. You know, we all know it. Uh, the mics are up you know tapes ready let's just lay it down and then a few of them came that way and then a few were just kind of like really cool songs that spoke to us and we thought it'd be cool to do it kind of this way or change it like this and, and obviously there's a couple on there that are well known um you know were well known hits back in the day like summer breeze or california dreaming right and you know those a song like california dreaming has probably been covered you know a hundred times plus not like you did but we <laughs> yeah, but we still want to do do our own thing, you know, and like right. our version is kind of a culmination of like monophonics, obviously, and then there's a great version by a soul singer named Lee Moses, and then obviously we're huge fans of cinematic music, um, scores, movie scores from back in the day, you know, composers like Ennio Morricone are very influential on us. And we've spent quite a bit of time in Greece um, touring. So that is that influence of that. You know, um, Greece as a place, um, landscape-wise, when you're traveling through Greece, when you're driving through it, it very much feels like California. And when we were in Greece, we would always hear the Lee Moses version of California Dreaming. So between all that, this is kind of our homage to California Dreaming in a, in a movie-esque Greek Mediterranean way. So, how did the 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 cover of um, I know I'm sorry. My, what how did the cover of My Heart Cries come into the come into the mix? I mean that that's an unusual selection for. Yeah. So the Invincibles are a great vocal group from the West Coast. I believe they're from LA, and we were just you know like I said we're way like we're music geeks and we love discovering unknown artists, unknown groups, things like that. Um, and they have an, a, I mean, honestly, one of the most beautiful kind of soul ballads of the 60s they, they did, and it's called Heart Full of Love. And, and I encourage anybody to go find that song. It's, it's absolutely breathtaking. I think it's such a beautiful composition. So when we started listening to Heart Full of Love, we were just like, man, these guys are so good. And we just got deep into listening to a bunch of the Invincibles. And I don't know, there's something about the production of Heart, of my heart cries that really spoke to us and we thought man this is i mean it's such a simple song musically i'm pretty sure it's about three three or four chords um but you know when layered with the drums and the piano and the horns and everything it just it really um it's an ex it's got an exciting feeling even though it's like a, a sad love song it has this energy to it that that really speaks to us as a band so so we took that one on i mean we're we love turning people on to unknown artists like yeah. the invincibles like the new people who do i'd be nowhere today um you know like lee moses i mean yeah you know california dreaming but if you haven't heard lee moses version you got to check it out it's heavy heavy stuff so 
Awesome. Well, tell me about this the album cover for Mirrors. What what is uh it, it's a picture of a beach and Yeah, that was done by our drummer. Our drummer does a lot of our art. He does a lot of merch design stuff. Uh Austin Bowman is his name. He's a, obviously an amazing drummer, but he's also a very talented artist and we knew it was going to be coming out um in the winter, but we also kind of like took that album over to Europe this past summer. So it's kind of an homage to like 60s Europe and then just the fact that it was going to come out in the wintertime dead in February it kind of is this refreshing you know kind of picturesque scene of like oh nice day at the beach and, you know <laughs> it just has a vibe you know I don't know we didn't like plan on it being like that it just ended up being like that we all really liked it so uh, well I, I, it's an awesome EP I definitely suggest people checking it out so where can people come out and uh, you guys are I guess in the middle of a tour right now or about to yeah we're finishing up a tour in Colorado right now so tonight we're in Boulder Colorado um, at the Fox Theater and then tomorrow we're going to be in Paonia Colorado which I have to say nobody in Colorado has ever heard of <laughs> we're like we're going to Paonia they're like where's that uh, and then the last show of the tour will be in Telluride, Colorado, which is one of our favorite places in the country. I mean, ta I mean, Colorado is beautiful, but anybody who makes their way out there, make sure to stop at Telluride. It's an amazing community. Uh, then we'll head home, and, and yeah, we're just trying to um, finish up our new record. You know, we wanted to keep people keep people interested with this cover EP, cover album, as you say, which I like. I'm, I'm going to stop calling it an EP now. <laughs> Um, with this cover album and we're trying to finish our next record which hopefully comes out in the fall and uh, yeah we'll be back in Europe this summer and we'll be at uh, Summer Camp Fest in Illinois in May and you know check the schedule we're, we're constantly posting shows on monophonics.com and constantly adding shows um, all around you know the country and the world so if, if someone's interested in coming out and seeing a show just keep checking that uh, website, or you can follow us on all the normal social medias of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Well, that is uh, well, it's awesome. And I, again, I've been looking forward to talking to you guys for for many years. We we played. yeah, man, that's cool that you brought up the um, that festival because you know what was really cool that happened at that fest. That we we met another girl a couple years after playing that, and you know. During that set, we played a love song that we do called Say You Love Me. And this girl, um, she proposed to her boyfriend during that song. <laughs> That's right. I do. I remember there being a lot of chatter because I was actually as media. So I had to come in and do a bunch of photography and then step out. And then do, it was just, I have like a bunch of great photographs of that show too. So I'm going to have to forward those to Awesome. You. Yeah, please send them along. You know, we went direct. I remember that show because we left directly from Miami and went over to France and did a whole tour. Yeah, that was a that was actually a very very amazing um, time for for Bear Creek, because that, that was that was a great lineup, man. Oh, that year was really good. Yeah, they had the Roots and Bootsy Collins. And yeah, and Lee Fields and man, it was a great lineup, man. Yeah. I really enjoyed being there that year. Yeah, that was a, that was a really fantastic time. Uh, but yeah, I was I was sorry to hear that that they stopped doing that fest. Uh, well, they actually did a version of it in New Orleans called Bear Creek Bayou. Oh, you're right. I heard about that. Yeah, it's a it was, little, it's a little smaller, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. It still had great acts. I mean, they had the Flaming Lips and they had George Clinton in Parliament, Funkadelic, but it was not well 
organized. Yeah, that's so, why I think I heard that from somebody. Yeah, you probably heard it on a Funkatopia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, okay. I think I think it says something about I think I used the word hibernation. <laughs> so, ah, I see. Yeah, so now, I, I love see. I love all the people with Bear Creek, but you know the, the main thing is that you know we're, we're here to support artists and and it's just sorry, I'm just in if, this if, interview. Yeah, if, if things aren't executed correctly, it just kind of goes haywire, you know. So okay. You know, but uh, anyways, I mean, again, it was such an honor to tell you. I'm going to edit some of that stuff out. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it was great talking to you. Definitely keep uh, keep tuned in to the uh, Funked Up uh, app. There's a Funked Up app for both iPhone and Android, and you you can hear your songs being played off and on on a radio station all the time. So awesome, man! Thank you so much for the interview. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. You guys have a great time, and we will talk at you later, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Finnegan from Monophonics. Thanks, brother. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Have a good one. Talk to you later. All right. Better.